Bibles, if you will, again tonight to the book of Psalms, chapter number 23. Psalm 23. I think we may finish this tonight. I'm not going to promise, but we very well could. And uh, we have been in this psalm for a while and looking at selected psalms that are favorite ones for us. Uh, the next one we'll get into will be Psalm 103, and that's one I really love, and, and I look forward to teaching from that as well. But Psalm chapter 23 is probably the best known Old Testament passage in all the Bible. And uh, probably more people can quote, other than Jesus wept, probably more people can quote something from the 23rd Psalm, maybe than any other passage in the Bible. It's so, so uh, familiar. But I want to read it again tonight from the traditional King James Bible, six verses, and so you can just listen as I read it, or you can read along with me if you'd like. <clears throat> but let's begin. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. What a wonderful, wonderful passage of Scripture. Let's pray together. Father, I ask you to open up this Scripture to us. It's familiar to us. We've heard it many, many times. But Lord, I pray that tonight you would open this up by the spirit of wisdom and revelation, that we would see beyond beautiful poetry, that we would see beyond a familiar, comforting word, that we would see revelation and insight into what these Scriptures mean and what they really hold for us. And I just ask you, Lord, to give me utterance in the Holy Ghost to give forth your message that you want brought forth tonight. And may nobody leave here unaffected, untouched by the power of God. And we ask for this and thank you for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Jehovah, the Lord Jehovah is my shepherd. The Lord Jehovah is. And, you know, that's just a message in itself. He is. He's not the great I was. He's not the great I used to be. He is. He is. Present tense. Always present tense. Always faith is present tense. Always love is present tense. That's just the way God is. He doesn't live in the past. <clears throat> He's always in one continuous now. As we often say, if you were to go to heaven and ask somebody when you got there, what time is it? They'd say, now. That's what time it is in heaven. It's always now. So the Lord is. And if you really get a revelation of that, that will change the way your faith works. It will really supercharge your ability to receive with your faith. Because faith is not a future thing. Faith is a right now thing. And though it may take some time for some things to make adjustments and change in order to bring manifestation according to the Word. 
The truth is, in the spiritual dimension, when we truly connect with our faith, then we can say with all confidence, it's mine. I have it now. So no matter what my body tells me, I am healed. No matter what my bank balance shows, I am prosperous and all my needs are met according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. No matter what is going on in my family, I know that the word of God shows us household salvation. It shows us men like Cornelius whose whole household was saved. And, and we find out even in the prodigal son that he finally came home. They killed the fatted calf and celebrated the, the, the wayward child that had came home. And so there's so many of these things that we can claim by faith now. And of course, if we believe we have them now, then we're going to act like that. We're not going to be running around with our head hung down and moping about, wondering what in the world am I going to do? I hope it works. It doesn't look like it's working. You got to get all that conversation out of your, your vocabulary. You got to get all that out. Uh, there, there is no place in the faith life for you to suck up pity from anybody. You know, that's tough. I know it's tough. And I know that there are a lot of people don't want it that way, but it is that way. And the sooner we realize it and get with the program, the better off we're going to be. Yeah, people can feel sorry for you. They will feel sorry for you. And we all have sympathy toward people from time to time about different things. If you want somebody to feel sorry for you, uh, go tell Glenda your problems. Because she, she feels sorry for everybody. But that's not going to help solve your problem. Woo, Glory. Amen? I mean, if I feel sorry for you and pat you on the head and say, you poor baby, you, I don't know why life has treated you this way and, and it's just so bad, you know, I really feel sorry for you. What does that do? It doesn't change anything. I'll tell you what it really does. It reinforces you in the mully grubs. That pity party business doesn't move the hand of God. All right, that's enough of that, I guess, but it's still true. Praise the Lord. So Jehovah is my shepherd. I shall not, I don't want, I know never want. That means I don't ever want, never ever fail, never ever lessen, never ever lack, and I'm never going to be made lower. That's a tall order. That is, that is, but that's what that means. Go study it out. I don't ever want. I don't ever fail, I don't ever lessen, I don't ever lack, I don't ever get made lower. That is the best. Somebody said, well, you know, have you always walked in that, those blessings? I haven't always achieved them all. But when I find out that they're there, then I'm shooting for them. I'm always going for them. I'm always reaching forth. And it's amazing what you will be able to accomplish if you'll reach out with your faith and take hold of these things. If you settle for the status quo, if you settle for what everybody else is doing, if you settle for what everybody else has, then guess what? You're going to be in the same crab tub they're in. And have you ever noticed people are like crabs in many ways? Uh, you know, you put crabs in a tub, you don't have to put a lid on them, just they'll keep each other from getting out. One starts to get out of the tub, another will reach up there and pull him down. And that's the way many humans are. You know, you get in certain groups and certain, with certain people, and it's like, you know, they're working to bring you down. They're working to tell you why it's not going to work. They're working to tell you what's wrong with it. You can come in excited about all this wonderful news that you have, and before you leave, they've already told you what's wrong with it. Yeah, but, 
Yeah, but. Well, you know, you might need to get your but out of that conversation. <clears throat> the but, you know, uh, you might need to get that out, one T. Uh, but anyway, uh, <laughs> you, 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 you want to always go for what God has said. So if I'm going to come to a situation and I'm going to look at the circumstances, and maybe there is somebody telling me the worst case scenario, and then I look at a scripture like this, the Lord is my shepherd, Jehovah is always, present tense, my shepherd, and I don't want, fail, lessen, lack, or I'm not going to be made lower, then who am I going to believe? That's really what we're dealing with. Who are you going to believe? There used to be a song that, that we used to sing uh, years ago, Whose report will you believe? It's kind of like a call and response song. Whose report will you believe? And then, then they would say, we shall believe the report of the Lord. And you'd repeat that several times. And his report says, I am free, uh, healed. His report says, I am filled. His report says, I am free. His report says, victory. Praise the Lord. And you know, there was a lady who wrote that song by the name of Becky Freeman. And... Uh, she had cancer, and she had a cancerous growth on her face, and one day she was looking in the mirror, and you know how the devil is. He's mean. He's a, he's a dirty devil. He's a liar, and so the devil just kind of just was dealing with her that day. As she looked at that growth on her face, the devil said, I'm going to kill you with that, and that's when the inspiration for that song came. She realized at that point, whose report will you believe? The Lord, the Lord spoke that to her. In other words, you always have a choice. Look at your neighbor and say, you always have a choice. You always have a choice. You always have a choice. Will you believe the report of the Lord or the word, or are you going to believe the circumstances? And sometimes circumstances can get really loud. And sometimes they can get really ugly. And sometimes they can be so obnoxious. But there is no circumstance that isn't subject to the Word of God. Hallelujah. And so, we want to always live with looking toward the Word of God. So, the Lord Jehovah is my shepherd and I don't ever fail, lessen, lack, or want. <coughs> and remember... This is God's will for you right now. This is not just something for heaven. 3 John verse 2 says, Beloved, I pray above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prospereth. People argue over that scripture, and they say, well, that's not a promise you can claim. But I think about it, you know, and some of the same people that would argue that would tell you that this is inspired scripture, which means the Holy Spirit inspired John to write it. And so, of course, if the Holy Spirit inspired him to write what he had prayed, he must have inspired him to pray it to begin with. So if this is a Spirit-inspired prayer that he wrote down for us to read, then why in the world can't I claim that as my own? And I do. Beloved, I pray above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prospers. We have a saying around here, I can or we can because we do. We don't do what we can. We can because we choose to do. And it's amazing. Everything that we set our faith on, we end up doing. And that not only works for a church, 
I mean, that's why we're, that's why we're, we're at the debt freedom stage. Because we, we set our mind to believe God for it. You know, I wonder, what if we hadn't? What if we had just accepted that we're going to have to make X number of payments, how many ever that would be, until we got this all done? We'd still be making all those X number of payments out to whenever that was done. But you see, you can make up your mind. You can make up your mind that you're going to be well. You can make up your mind that you're going to be whole, that you're going to live long, you're going to live strong, you're going to live well. You can make up your mind that you're going to walk in the blessing and the fullness of God. Hallelujah. We can because we do. You just got to set out and do something. Faith is acting like the Bible is true. That's really all faith is. It's just acting like the Bible's true. And if you really believe something's true, then you're willing to say it and you're willing to act on it. That's what faith is all about. And so when we look at this whole aspect of the Lord as our shepherd and we don't want, we realize that abundance is God's idea. Can you say amen? Abundance is God's idea. He introduced prosperity and abundance to us in the very beginning. Abundance and prosperity is not a product of greed or covetousness. I know that there, there is uh, greed in the world. I know that there is covetousness in the world. But those are not godly uh, feelings. Those are not godly forces. Those are fallen forces. Those are cheap imitations. But there is a reality of prosperity and abundance that God introduced us to. And heaven in itself is a wealthy place. Let's go over to Psalm 66. I want to show you a verse there that will bless you tonight. Psalm chapter 66. I didn't come tonight with sad stories. I didn't come tonight to try to tell you something to make you cry. I didn't come tonight to complain. I didn't come tonight to bellyache. I came tonight to tell you what God said in His Word, and it's a good report. Hallelujah. In Psalm chapter number 66 and verse number 12, it says, Thou hast caused men to ride over our heads. We went through fire and through water. In other words, we've been through some tough times. But, but, hallelujah, but thou broughtest us out into a wealthy place. My brother and sister, there is a wealthy place for you. There's a wealthy place for you. I'm not saying everybody's going to be a multimillionaire. I'm not saying everybody's going to be a billionaire. I'm not, I'm not saying that everybody's life's going to look like everybody else's and that we're all going to have X number of dollars at the end of the month or whatever. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying there is a wealthy place for you. There is a place of richness and fatness. There is a place where the waters, living waters flow. There is a place where you don't have to worry about the rent. You don't have to worry about the groceries. Thank God you don't even have to worry about gasoline. You, you don't have to worry about anything that you can have plenty. Praise the Lord. I don't like paying all that money for gasoline, but I'm sure thankful I can. Amen. I don't like paying all that money for a decent loaf of bread, but I'm glad that I can. I don't like paying all that much money for steak, but I'm glad I can. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, it doesn't matter what they do. If we have to carry our money around in wheelbarrows, thank God, get me two of them. I, I, I don't intend to stop. I don't intend to stop. Praise the Lord. And so we are living in a wealthy place. And I remind you of Psalm, um, I'm sorry, Matthew chapter 6 and verse 10. When Jesus instructed the disciples about prayer, he said to pray you know, our Father which art in heaven, give us this day our daily bread for, and all that. And he said, and, and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So ask yourself this question. 
Is there any poverty in heaven? Is there any sickness in heaven? Is there any disease in heaven? Is there any lack in heaven? Is anybody depressed in heaven? Is there anybody oppressed in heaven? No. And so that's the will of God here in your life. I know we can't change everybody else's life. We can't just override the will of other people in every situation, of course. But for you and your world, your little world, your life, you can have the blessing of God. And it begins when you begin to realize what a great and wonderful God we serve. God's not your problem, my brother and sister. God is not your problem. Hallelujah. So he goes on to say, He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. To lie down means to recline, to rest, to sit. I think about resting and reclining. I don't know if you have a recliner at your house. I'm blessed to have two. And uh, I like to make good use of them. And, uh, you know, I know we need to move around and all of that. That's good. But sometimes it's good just to rest. And this passage is telling us that there is a rest that God brings to the people of God. He makes us to lie down in green pastures. You know, Matthew 11, verse 30, Jesus said, My yoke is easy and my burden is light. If your life is one crisis after another... If your life is one mess after the other, if your life is, is one long, continuous stress test, then you're not doing life right. I'm not trying to make you mad. I'm not trying to offend you. I'm just trying to tell you the truth. If you're following God and you're carrying the burden of Jesus, it is a light burden. If you're yoked in with Jesus and you're walking with him and you're doing life connected to Jesus, then it's an easy yoke. If everything is hard in what you're trying to do, you might be on the wrong road. You might be trying to do the wrong thing. And that brings us to some things that are involved in this psalm about leading, leadership, about God leading us. You know, if I had in my mind at 64 years of age, 5 foot 8 inches tall, that I thought I really had a shot at the NBA. My yoke would not be easy, and my burden would not be light. You know what I'm saying? Because I'd be totally out of my element. I'd be totally in, in, in a world where I didn't fit. If, if I went over you know, to some institute of, of higher learning and applied for a job as a physics professor... I'm not going to get the job because I don't know anything about it. What is E times MC squared or what it is? You know, I don't know. I don't know. I know that there was a guy named Einstein, and I know he was smart, but I don't know much else. Uh, you know, so, so there are things that, that you can get into that can become very difficult because you're in the wrong vein or you're in the wrong lane. So if you're in this lane that's always messed up, you might be in the wrong lane. You might want to check on that. Amen? Because when we come with the Lord and He is our shepherd, there are going to be some times whenever that, that He makes us lie down in green pastures. Fresh and plentiful food for the eating. A place of provision. A place of growth. You know, as the shepherd led the sheep in those green pastures, they would eat to their to the, they would eat their fill, and they would grow, and they would be healthy, and they would be full. Green pastures, that's a good place. Amen? And then he goes on to say, now we're going to skip verse 3 tonight. I know we read it. It's the next verse. We're going to come back to it. 
But uh, I want you to notice, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to skip all of verse 3, but I'm going to skip the first part and go to the part, He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness. Say, He leads me. Now, according to Romans 8, 14, as a son or daughter of God, you have a birthright to be led by the Spirit. So, you know, I got you out there talking about being in the wrong lane and all that and how it can be hard and difficult and maybe, you know, if that's the way life is, maybe you need to make some changes. Here is the way you find out where you're supposed to be is by being led by the Spirit. How does God lead us? Well, He leads us first and foremost through the written Word. Secondly, He leads us by the inward witness of the Spirit that's within us. And then, of course, He can lead us through more supernatural ways. There are several other ways He can do that if He so chooses. But the primary ways that God's always going to lead us, and you can always count on these, is through the written Word. He'll never lead you to do anything that violates the written Word. And through the witness of the Spirit within. And so He, he leads us beside still waters. He leads us beside still waters. 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 11 says, Let him seek peace and pursue it. That's a godly person. Let him seek peace and pursue it. When we read about still waters, I, I pointed out two or three lessons ago that that's important because sheep don't drink from rushing waters. They just won't do it. The, the, you have to have still water. If you're beside a, a rushing stream, the shepherd has to make a pool, has to dig around so that there's a still pool for the sheep to drink from. They just don't drink from rushing water. And so the whole idea is peace. The whole idea is uh, uh, being in a place of renewal and refreshing where there is peace. Let peace be the umpire. You know, in a ball game, a baseball game, there's an umpire. And you know, that umpire behind the plate, his word is the last word on whether it's a strike or whether it's a, a ball. Uh, he, he gets to decide. And so the umpire in your life should be peace. If you're about to do anything, if you're about to make a decision, if you're about to buy something, sell something, or you're about to be you know, connected in any way, contractually, with any, in any situation, a job or, or whatever it may be. Uh, if, you're, if you're connected with a person and, and you want to, you know, go further with that relationship or whatever it may be, always understand that if you do not have peace, the peace of God down in your heart, then you don't need to keep going that direction. Because your spirit knows things your head doesn't know. Your spirit knows about things that, that you know, there's, there's, why? Because the Holy Spirit's inside of you. And He knows the future better than you know the past. And so there are a lot of times He will just, through this means of inward witness, He will steer you around things. And, and, and maybe He doesn't need to tell you all the whys. The Holy Spirit's a wonderful gentleman. And I don't mean that disrespectfully. I mean that with the greatest of respect. And uh, he, he don't tell everybody's business. You know, there might be a situation where you're dealing with someone and, and the Holy Spirit's not going to tell you all the whys. He's just going to tell you, don't go any further. Don't do that. Don't be there. Amen. I hope that's helping somebody. Praise the Lord. Because I, I, I believe it's important that we are led by the Spirit. Follow peace. And then number two, he says that he leads us in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. 
So he leads me beside still waters, verse 2. And verse 3, he leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Now, always in line with the word, as I said, always in line with the witness of the Spirit in my heart, those are the things I look for. I, I, the Lord has never spoken to me in an audible voice. I've heard what we call the voice of the Lord on the inside in my spirit you know, he will use your conscience to speak to you. You can know that God is saying something to you. But to say that I've heard the audible voice of God, I haven't. I haven't seen an angel. I've, had, I've never had an angel appear to me and tell me instructions or give me direction. But most of the leadings I've ever gotten have come through the Word and this inward witness. And many times when you're reading the Word, listen carefully, this is really important, this is why you need to read the Bible every day, and this is why you need to have some private, quiet time before God every day of your life. Because as you attend to His Word and you pay attention to what He's already said and had written down, many, many times that's where the Holy Spirit will bring you guidance, direction, and insight to lead you and guide you where you need to be. So it's important that we understand that. Now, back to uh, verse number... Um, Verse number three, notice he restores my soul. The Bible speaks in the New Testament of the inner man and the hidden man of the heart. As a matter of fact, Paul said in 2 Corinthians 4 and 16 that though the outward man perish, or one translation says is decaying, meaning we're getting older. I know we don't like that, but it's true. But though the outward man perish, he said, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. Your inward man doesn't get old. The real you, the spiritual you, doesn't get old. I remember talking to a lady one time. She was in her 80s. And she said, on the inside, I don't feel any different than when I was 16. But obviously on the outside, she knew she was in her 80s. But the inward person, the inward person, the spirit, don't, doesn't ever get old old. Hallelujah. And this verse says that he restores my soul. Have you ever felt just worn out? Have you ever felt like about four miles of unpaved road? Have you ever felt like you know that you just, rather than go do whatever you need to go do, you just soon make a U-turn and go home and crawl back in the bed? Have you ever felt that way? Aren't you glad? Woo! <laughs> I'm so glad that the Holy Ghost will come upon us and bring restoration to us. Hallelujah! It'll make an old man feel young again. An old woman too, praise the Lord. It, it will make, uh, it will make your, your life so much better to live it in the presence of the Lord. You know, I pick on preachers sometimes, a lot of times, and I take that liberty because I am one. And then... Uh, lately, in the last few years, I can pick a little bit on older people for the same reason. But one thing I've noticed about many older people, not all, and we don't want this to be said of us, but you know that this is probably true. Uh, when I say this, you may think of somebody. But many older people tend to talk about the past, complain about the present, and fear the future. That was worth me coming over here just to hear that tonight. Many older people tend to talk about the past, complain about the present, 
and fear the future. Get some young people in your life. Thank you for your enthusiasm. I would think it sounds like I'm preaching at a nursing home. <laughs> you know, being up here with these, some of these are kids to me. They're like the age of my grandchildren. But they help, they help keep me younger. I know they have to put up with me. And I know they probably laugh when my head's turned. But that's okay. Because there's something about being around people who still have some life in them. Who still have dreams. Who still have goals. And it's important to never let go of those kinds of things in your life. Amen. It's a great cure for pessimism. You know, uh, you, you don't want to become a pessimistic old cur curmudgeon. You want to be a person of hope and victory. I've, I've known people in my life who were older, but they were such an inspiration. You know, they truly learned the secret that they weren't old inside. And so their words were encouraging. Their words were wise, and they had joy in their life. Amen. All right, I can tell we're not going real far with that one. Let's go on to verse 4. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. 2 Timothy 1.7 says that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. So we can boldly say with the psalmist, I will fear no evil. You know, fear is not something that you don't have a choice over. You can choose to put it in its place, which is under your feet. And, and when it says, I will fear no evil, that means no bad thing, naturally or morally. You don't have to be afraid of failing God. You don't have to be afraid of going to hell. You don't have to be afraid of that. And you don't have to be afraid of natural things. You know, I know we have hurricane seasons. I know there are places prone to earthquakes. I know that there are all kinds of natural disasters and all kinds of things in a, in a fallen world that are not pleasant and not good. And you can call it whatever you want to. You can think it's presumptuousness. You can think it's foolishness. But I call it faith. I know that if I am in the will of God, I know that if I am in the will of God, if I'm obedient to God, that none of those things are going to touch me. Hallelujah. I know that I do not have to live in fear of the future. I don't have to live in financial fear. I don't have to live in fear of my relationships. I don't have to fear, uh, you know, natural disasters or anything else. Hallelujah. So, no misery, no sorrow, no trouble. That's what that means. I will fear no evil. I will fear no misery. I will fear no sorrow and no trouble. Why? Because you are with me. Everybody say, Jesus is with me. In Matthew chapter 28, 20, Jesus said, Lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the age. When I got a revelation of that, I never again prayed, Lord, be with me. Or Lord, be with us. Because he already said, I will never leave you. And I want you to know that's Jesus' parting promise. Matthew 28, that's the last chapter in the book. That's one of the last things he said before he ascended to the Father. And so Jesus made a parting promise promise, not a question, but a promise that he would never leave us. So no matter where you are, if you're in the courtroom, if you're in the operating room, 
If you're in the courthouse, if you're in, you know, the attorney's office, if you're in your uh, in-law's house, <laughs> you know, he said he'd, he'd prepare a table for us in the presence of our enemies. I mean, uh, you know, wherever you are, you know God is with you. Praise the Lord. I've got good in-laws, so I'm just joking. But he says here that I'll never leave you. And then he goes on to say, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Now, the rod is not a rod to beat us. The shepherd's rod was used to protect the sheep. They put a hurting on a wolf. He can knock a wild critter upside the head to protect the sheep. It was not to beat the sheep. It was to beat off and to, to protect the sheep from predators. Because sheep are not driven. They're led. So... That's important to understand. It's important for leaders in the church to understand it, but it's important for all of us to understand that if we really want to follow God, we're going to follow leadings. He's not going to come down and make you do anything. He's not going to make you get full of the Spirit and stay full of the Spirit. He's not going to make you speak in tongues. He's not going to make you pay your tithes. He's not going to make you give. He's not going to make you treat your wife right or your husband right. He's not going to make you not eat the third piece of pie. He's not, going to, he's not going to make you do that. But he will lead you in the way you should go. So the rod is to protect us. The staff is to lead us. The word and the spirit. You know, that over on that wall, ministering the word and spirit to Central Virginia. Lots of things are involved with that. But through the word and the spirit, that's how we are led. And we've already talked about that tonight. I do want to add this. We're not led by circumstances. I know that there are a lot of our brothers and sisters in Christ who believe that that's one of the ways God leads. That circumstances, you know, God uses circumstances to lead us. That's not scriptural. That's not scriptural. As a matter of fact, natural circumstances in a fallen world cannot be relied on. They cannot be trusted. Because according to 2 Corinthians 4.18, anything you see is temporary. And temporary not only means it's only here for a while, but that word temporal in 2 Corinthians 4.18 means that it is subject to change. So natural circumstances can change. And somebody said, well, you know, Gideon put out a fleece. Well, Gideon wasn't full of the Holy Ghost. Gideon didn't have a written Bible like you have. Gideon wasn't a born-again child of God like you are. There are a lot of differences between us and Gideon. If you, if you make it a habit of putting out fleeces, there's a good chance you're going to get fleeced. Lord, let the third car that goes by my house be a red Ford. And then I'll know to do it. Or I'll know not to do it. That's a way to get in trouble. God is too smart to, to, to put his guidance system on the level of a lottery or a roll of the dice. Amen. And then look in verse 5. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Now, I was joking about the in-laws a while ago, but I do want to point out something here. This table is prepared so our enemies can watch. Have you ever thought about that? In the presence of mine enemies. You see, it's important to God that he vindicates his own and that he shows their enemies that he's their God. 
When you're blessed, don't hide it. Don't hide the blessings of God. Don't hide a decent uh, suit of clothes. Don't hide a decent pair of shoes. Don't hide a decent vehicle. Don't hide a, a decent home. Don't talk down about what the Lord has blessed you with. That's a part of the preparation of a table in the presence of the enemies to show them the goodness of God on your life. It's all right to tell them because it's true. I didn't earn it. And we're warned, actually, in Deuteronomy chapter 8 that we're not supposed to say, I got this by my own hand. I'm so smart or I work so hard. But we're supposed to say it's God who gives us the power to get wealth. I want people to look at my life and say, hey, I'd like to have some of that. I know they don't want to wear their hair like I do. They don't want to necessarily dress the way I dress. All of that is, is, is uh, unimportant issues. But I would like for them to know that the blessing of God in my life is so great that they would want to know what am I doing to be that blessed. That's the goal of God for every one of you. People should look at you and wonder, what are you doing? You know? They should look at you and say, what in the world are they doing to be so blessed? Our blessings testify to the goodness of God. Now, let's go on. Verse 5. Thou anointest my head with oil. Say, I am anointed. That's what the Word teaches us. Isaiah 10, 27 says that the anointing is yoke-destroying and burden-removing power. It's the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit and manifestation. This anointing of God is something that brings God into the situation and circumstance that we're in in our lives. And you need to always say, I'm anointed. You may not feel like it. It might not look like it, but the Word says you are. We used to sing a chorus years ago. The Word says I'm anointed, so I am. Yes, the Word says I'm anointed, so I am. I've got that burden-removing, yoke-destroying power of God in my life. Oh, the Word says I'm anointed, so I am. And it's not based on how you feel. It's based on the truth of the Word of God. And the anointing will destroy yokes and remove burdens in your life. Amen. And then notice he said, my cup runneth over. <clears throat> now, if you study that, that means satisfaction and wealth. I just tell you, you can't read these six verses without finding out that God wants you blessed. Those dear people that, that always are trying to say that God doesn't really want to bless His people, I don't know what they do with these kinds of scriptures. Because if you study them, they're just full of the blessing of God. <coughs> and now, <coughs> excuse me, in verse 6, he ends by saying, Surely goodness and mercy. Goodness means pleasure and wealth. There it is again. Mercy means kindness, pity, and the word means, of course, mercy. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. I like that as I get older because I realize that instead of having less, I should have more. You know, I've been around folks, haven't you? And they planned on getting old and they planned on not being able to do this and not being able to do that, not being able to afford this, not being able to afford that. And we're going to downsize and cut this off and I don't need this and I don't need that and I don't need the other thing. Well, you know, there's a lot of things you don't need. It could be argued by people in the third world that you don't need three bathrooms or two bathrooms or even running water for that matter. 
It could be argued by people in the world that you don't need two cars. You don't need a car. What about a bicycle? It could be argued by some people in the world that you don't need more than one suit of clothes or one, one outfit to wear, that you don't need more than one pair of shoes. I mean, if you want to go down that route, you can get as ridiculous as you want to get. Come on now, I'm telling you the truth. But if you will look to the Word of God, you'll understand that God is so big, so vast, so good, so powerful, and is so full of loving kindness that He can bless your socks off, as we say, and it doesn't even dent the resources that He has to give to everybody else that will believe Him. And surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, not just when I'm young, not just when we're young and good-looking. Not just when we're young and, and you know, uh, uh, still not even at midlife. But all the days of your life. And he says, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You go to First uh, Chronicles chapter 29 and you find that David's heart was always for the house of God. The greatest goal of his life was that God would have a house that would be suitable for him in the earth. And that's why he gave over a billion dollars for the building of the temple even though he was not allowed to actually build it, that's where his heart was. And so when he closed this psalm, he said, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And that word Lord there is again the word Jehovah, just like verse 1. Remember, Jehovah is. And I will dwell in his presence forever, not briefly, not on a temporary basis, but I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now compare that with the psalm we started out with probably two months ago when we started this series on the book of Psalms, uh, select Psalms, we started out in Psalm 91, verse 1. He that dwells in the secret place of the Most High. You see, it's always about your relationship with God. Don't ever misunderstand when we encourage you about believing God for great things, big things, more things, and being a greater blessing and being able to do more, give more, and serve more. That's all good, and that's all the will of God. But it's all about God. It's all about loving God. It's all about obeying God. And it's amazing how much God will bless us if we'll just believe Him and act like the Bible's true. Amen? Praise the Lord. I don't know that we've done this psalm justice, but we've worked on it several, several Wednesday nights, and I think we're going we're gonna to stop with it here Maybe the next time we do it, when I'm 94 or so, maybe we'll know more about it then. Amen? Father, we thank you. We praise you for your holy word. Thank you, Lord, that you're more than enough. You're always, always looking ahead to make a way to bless us. Father, we're grateful tonight for the anointing. We're grateful for the power of the Holy Spirit. So grateful that you love us enough that you would care for us to meet all of our needs. Not just on a minimal basis, but according to your riches in glory by Christ Jesus. You're the God of more than enough. More than enough health. More than enough peace. More than enough blessing. More than enough of everything that is good. And so, Lord, tonight, if there's anyone here who maybe they came in here and they just felt a little down. Maybe they felt a little bit uh, in, the in the blue category tonight. I pray that they've been encouraged to reach out with their faith, to believe you for more. Because, Father, we believe our best days are ahead. 
<laughs> Ooh, I believe that. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. I believe, Lord, our best days are ahead of us. I believe the best blessings. I believe the greatest manifestations of the Spirit. The greatest financial blessings. The greatest miracles of healing. The greatest deliverances. They're ahead. They're in front of us. We're walking into them. We're right there into them. And I thank you for that tonight. Minister to every person here. And Lord, if there's anybody here that is not right with you or watching online that's not right with you, help them right now to ask you into their heart. To ask you to forgive their sin. To confess Jesus as their Lord and their Savior. So that they can begin the new life offered by the Lord Jesus. Or that they can reconnect and recommit their life to the Lord Jesus. For this we pray in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Well, on Sunday morning...